We are a people that follow after those things that make for peace, love, and unity. Chapter 1, Section 1A, Jesus Christ is the Word of God. The belief that Jesus Christ is the Word of God is the foundation upon which all vital friends' practices stand. The Bible is clear that Christ is the Word. The Gospel of John in its profound first chapter is straightforward. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. John clearly refers to Christ Jesus in this passage. The revelation of John is no less definitive, envisioning the triumphant Christ leading the armies of heaven forward to the last judgment. There it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 15. The unusual change in John's description from past tense to present is neither a translation error nor an exotic claim. John stresses that Christ Jesus is powerfully present and speaking now. His words are striking the nations. People are feeling his presence as he cuts to evil, exposes it, and destroys it. Not only is Jesus the Word of God, but as the Word, He continues to be present among and speak with people who will listen. Jesus has Himself asserted His continuing presence in the world, even after His ascension. Jesus' promise of the Counselor in John 14 emphatically declares the mystery that all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will be present in us. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. John chapter 14, verses 16 to 21. When Jesus said, I will not leave you orphaned, 
He was referring to the loss the disciples would feel when he died. He promised to return, quote, in a little while, unquote, and reveal himself to them. Jesus clearly will continue to love and manifest himself to those who love him and keep his commandments. Jesus also appeared at work in the world after the ascension when he temporarily blinded Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? And Christ answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Finally, Jesus firmly rebuked those who depended upon Scripture alone for their salvation. They are in danger of missing, not hearing, and not being taught by the real Word of God. He tells the Jews of Jerusalem, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify on my behalf, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. John, 5th chapter, verses 39 to 40. The scriptures declare in 1 John, chapter 2, verse 27, that Jesus is our present teacher, the one who opens the mysteries of the Bible. Jesus can make clear the meaning of the scriptures because he embodies the Spirit of God through whom the Bible was given to humanity. One of the primary works of Jesus after the resurrection is opening scriptures to his disciples, both on the Emmaus Road in Luke chapter 24, 13, and in Jerusalem in Luke 24, verse 36. Furthermore, Peter's antidote to the poison of the ignorant and unstable who twist Paul's writing to their own destruction as they do other scriptures, is not more scriptures. His recommendation is simple yet profound. In the second Peter, chapter 13, verses 14 to 18, he says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Indeed, without Jesus, who opens and interprets scriptures daily, just as he did for the disciples, we will be lost in the staggering babble of the world's and churches' conflicting and confusing interpretations. One of the many people who discovered the Word of God through the right use of the Bible was George Fox. He came of age in the 1640s, when religious ferment and confusion were turning England inside out, politically, socially, economically, and spiritually. He searched the scriptures for answers to his questions, especially his temptations to despair of salvation. Beyond consulting the Bible, he sought out the chief priests and preachers to look for comfort, but found no comfort from them. Worldly men, they prescribed only worldly interventions. All sorts of 17th century medical and psychological treatments, from bleeding and purging to tobacco and psalm singing. Fox found no real no living knowledge of Jesus Christ among the Christians of his day. For him, they were people holding on to the outward form of godliness, but denying its power. Fox recognized that the Bible was an important starting point and essential source book for beginning to understand the ways of God with men and women. He studied carefully the lives of Jesus and the ancient men and women of God as set forth in scriptures. He realized that they walked by the Lord's direct revelation of his will and showed forth his power in their obedience and deeds. However, when Fox compared their words and deeds to the doctrines of religious leaders of his own day, he saw the latter had clearly diverged from the former. 
Yet the Bible was more than a source book for Fox. It was his check on spiritual development. As he experienced spiritual revelations, he found that his openings answered one another and answered the scriptures. As God revealed truth to Fox, he found that each new revelation agreed with others he had experienced and that each corresponded specifically to understandings he had gained through the scriptures. Those two checks are of exceptional importance in the search for spiritual truth. God's continuing revelation of himself is not a series of discrete events, each exposing a new truth, each truth perhaps in conflict or contradiction to past revelations. Rather, God's continuing revelation is unified. Present-day revelation confirms and answers that of the past. Fox recognized that Christ Jesus, by whom he was guided, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Christ is not changeable so as to reveal something as evil at one point and later move us toward it as good. Thus, the consistency of present with past revelation is a check against that all-too-human tendency to devise clever rationalizations to twist what we have received to assert our own purposes and desires. We are a people that follow after those things that make for peace, love, and unity. It is our desire that others' feet may walk in the same. We do deny and bear our testimony against all strife and wars and contention. This podcast has presented a portion of the book Traditional Quaker Christianity. The book was assembled and edited by Terry Wallace, Jack and Susan Smith, and Arthur Burke. It was read by Chip Thomas, and the audio edited by the same. The music was provided by Paulette Meyer. Paulette's music is available at paulettemeyer.com. <laughs>